and welcome to American Catholic History, brought to you by the support of listeners like you. If you value this content and wish to see it continue, become a supporter at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. I'm Noel Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Dear listeners, we are still building a support base that will allow us to keep producing this podcast and eventually other materials. To our new supporters, including Jack B., Elizabeth S., Diane P., Anne, Cecilia C., Darius M., Sinus W. F. Vuk, J. Hammy 15, we are deeply grateful. We still need a good deal more support, but the positive reaction we've, we have received has shown us that so many of you really do value this content. Yes, we absolutely love doing this podcast, and we get lots of positive feedback. More than 300 ratings on Apple Podcasts, nearly all of them five stars. So we know we have a lot of appreciative listeners. Now we need listeners to become supporters. This podcast takes from 15 to 20 hours of our time to write, record, and promote, and that's a significant chunk of time. Please become a supporter to help us keep it all going. If you go to AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support, you have two options to become a supporter, locals, or Patreon. The support tiers are the same on both, with the lowest tier being $5. That's just $5 a month. On both systems, you'll get exclusive content like our American Catholic History Conversations. We actually just posted a new conversation with Dr. Kevin Schmeising this week, so you don't want to miss that. And we'll also have our on-location videos and other opportunities for video chats. But Locals is more about building a community and having greater engagement about our fans, not just with us. And if you're able to give at a higher level than $5, we have additional perks available. So please, if you value American Catholic history, become a supporter. Because, like we said before, we still like to eat food. And we really value having the lights on and the internet to keep doing this podcast. Yeah. So learn more at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. So that said, and thank you for your support, on with the show. Today, we're talking about one of the real giants of American Catholic history, Venerable Nelson Baker. Nelson Baker has been one of my absolute favorite characters in American Catholic history since I was working on the Almanac. He has this incredible combination of business savvy, toughness in the face of secular pressures, and tender care for the most vulnerable, and all of it wrapped up in a nice bow of utter reliance upon and trust in Mary's intercession. He's a great role model for many of us in our own day. Yeah, he sure is. And I'm very seriously considering adding him as a patron along with Mother Teresa. Okay, not as a patron saint because he's a venerable, but patron venerable for our Montessori school, Hilltop Children's House. What he did on a massive scale up in Lackawanna, we're really doing on a smaller scale here in Steubenville. Well, maybe we take Our Lady of Victory as patron like he did because he utterly trusted in Mary's intercession when he saw needs. And we have needs. Um, and then he devoted himself to doing what it took to meet the needs, trusting that Mary would provide. Yeah, and trusting can be the hardest part of <laughs> Yeah, isn't it really? Anyhow, there's a lot to Nelson Baker's story, so let's not waste any more time. Right. Nelson Baker was born in Buffalo, New York on February 16th, 1842. He was the second oldest of four boys born to his parents. His German father was Lutheran, while his Irish mother was a devout Catholic. Initially, he was baptized into his father's Lutheran faith, but at 10 years old, influenced deeply by his devout mother, he chose to become Catholic and was conditionally baptized in the Catholic Church. After graduating high school, Nelson went to work in his father's grocery and general store. His father was a good businessman, and Buffalo was a rapidly growing city at the time. Mr. Baker instilled good, sound business principles in his boys. This would serve Nelson well later in life. 
Not much more is known about Nelson's childhood and early adulthood. The next thing we know is that at 21 years old in 1863, he enlisted in the Union Army. The Civil War had entered its third year. General Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia had crossed into Union territory, harassing towns in Maryland and southern Pennsylvania. Officials in New York were concerned that Lee could threaten New York's territory, So they raised 20,000 more troops. Nelson Baker was among those who enlisted. He was only in the army for about a month, but his service included the Battle of Gettysburg and then marching to New York City to help put down the draft riots. By the end of July 1863, Nelson was back in Buffalo, his term of enlistment at an end. He went back to working with his dad, but a friend had another idea. The friend, Joe Meyer, thought the time was right for him and Nelson to go on their own and set up their own feed and grain store. So they did, and they did very well. They made lots of money over the years, and Nelson was very generous with some local Catholic organizations, including the St. Joseph Orphanage and St. John's Protectory at Limestone Hill. These two institutions, along with nearby St. Patrick Parish, were established by the Diocese of Buffalo in the 1850s to help boys with nowhere else to go. The orphanage, of course, was for boys whose parents had died or just gave them up, while the protectory was for boys who had had run-ins with the law, sort of a juvenile jail or halfway house for delinquent boys. Keep these institutions in mind. They'll come back up in our story. During this time, that is through most of his 20s, the idea of entering seminary to become a priest entered his mind and heart, but he was convinced that he didn't have the formal schooling necessary to pursue it. Besides, he was too old to start that now, he thought. Yeah, but the Lord had other plans. One day he came upon some boys carrying a heavy load and he offered them a lift in his carriage. They said they were returning to St. Joseph Orphanage. He took them. While there, he talked with the priest in charge, Father Thomas Hines, who was an old friend of his. The two of them had a long talk about the work of the Limestone Hill institutions and the great need that existed. By the end of that visit, Father Hines was convinced that Nelson Baker had a vocation, and he said he would recommend the bishop accept him to seminary. Baker himself wasn't totally sold on that, though, but he was open, and he began preparations. So that next year was a crazy time for Nelson Baker. He began taking intensive Latin lessons at what is now Canisius College. He worked hard to get things in order with the business to prepare for his potential departure. But his health broke down due to exhaustion, and in June of 1869, he took a steamer cruise around the Great Lakes to recover his health and devote time to prayer and discernment. When he returned to Buffalo, his mind was made up, and he was at peace he would enter seminary. His business partner was sad to lose him, but Nelson had prepared one of his younger brothers to take his place. Business acumen ran in the family, it seemed. His mother was over the moon. She had been praying for a vocation for years. His Lutheran father was reserved, but he didn't oppose. So he entered seminary in Buffalo on September 2nd, 1869. For two years, he excelled in his studies and was a leader among his minor seminary classmates. Which makes sense since he was nearly 10 years older than most of them and he had had much more significant life experience. He battled a serious illness in his third year in seminary. But after recovering from that, the major event that would shape the rest of his life took place. That year, a group of prominent American Catholics was planning a pilgrimage tour of Europe. Baker requested permission to go, even offering to pay his own way. One of the major reasons for the trip was to have an audience with the Pope, Pius IX. The seminary and his bishop granted Baker permission, and they gave him presents to give to the Pope. But as it turned out, that audience with Pope Pius IX was a secondary part of the trip for Nelson Baker. The most significant part happened early on during their stay in Paris. One of their stops in Paris was at the Shrine of Our Lady of Victory. 
While there, Nelson Baker was smitten with this depiction of Our Lady and the devotion to her that was so alive at the shrine. The statue depicts Mary with a regal crown on her head, with the child Jesus standing on a globe next to her. Jesus also was wearing a crown, and Mary is sort of leaning or slightly bending over to hold on to him. It's a rather dramatic statue in the posture of Mary's body. She's motherly and invested in Jesus rather than upright and rigid, as is so often the case. The shrine had a healthy practice of devotions to Our Lady of Victory. In fact, the shrine dated back to 1629, but it had only barely survived the French Revolution. It had been badly misused for about 40 years after the Revolution and had only been restored to the church in the 1830s. But the parish flock didn't come back immediately after the church was restored. In fact, it only revived as a parish in a place of pilgrimage when the pastor developed the devotion to Our Lady of Victory. And the story of this devotion reviving a moribund shrine in a post-revolution Paris stuck with Baker. The pilgrimage also made stops at some of the great Catholic sites of Europe, Lourdes, the tombs of Peter and Paul, St. Peter's Basilica, and they had that audience with the Pope. But Baker's mind kept going back to Our Lady of Victory. After the pilgrimage, he resumed his studies and was ordained on the Solemnity of St. Joseph, March 19th, 1876. His first assignment was a bit of a surprise to him. He was sent to be assistant to Father Thomas Hines down at Limestone Hill. He was excited about the prospect of working with the boys, but he was absolutely shocked to discover the financial situation there. In 1876, the debt was $27,000. That's nearly $750,000 today. And things got worse. Just five years later, with Father Hines still in charge, that debt more than doubled to $60,000 or more than $1.5 million today. Father Baker couldn't handle the situation, so he requested a transfer. The bishop honored his request and sent him to a parish in Corning, New York, which was then part of the Diocese of Buffalo. But that assignment only lasted a year. In 1882, Father Thomas Hines, who had led the institutions at Limestone Hill for 25 years, was allowed to retire, and Bishop Ryan assigned Father Baker to take over in Limestone Hill, which by this point had been renamed Lackawanna. Once again, Father Baker was enthusiastic about the idea of working with the boys in the orphanage and protectory, but the challenges of the severe debt loomed large. And of course, within days of his arrival, creditors came beating on his door demanding payment. They seemed to think they'd be able to steamroll this new young priest. They assumed wrongly. As mentioned, Father Baker had a fairly successful business career before becoming a, a priest. He knew a thing or two about how a business ran and how debt remediation could work. He offered them partial payment now with assurance that he would make good on the rest of the debt in the future. All but one refused the offer and demanded immediate payment or they would take legal action. So, Father Baker hitched up a carriage and went to the bank where he withdrew every penny of his personal savings. With that money, he retired those debts and informed those individuals they would never receive business from him or his organizations again, and he bid them good day. So now he really was starting fresh and with nothing. Yeah, well, not, not really with just nothing, just no money. <laughs> yeah, we're familiar with that. Yeah, it seems to be our MO. Anyhow, what Father Baker had was his absolute trust that Our Lady of Victory would come through for him. He had never forgotten that experience in the shrine in Paris. His devotion to Our Lady of Victory had held steady, and this devotion inspired his next big initiative. This initiative was the Association of Our Lady of Victory. 
Father Baker trusted firmly that Our Lady of Victory, who revived that nearly dead shrine, would bring the same growth to his endeavors. So in 1882, he launched the Association of Our Lady of Victory. To spread the association, he wrote to postmasters all over the country asking for the names and addresses of charitable Catholic women in their towns. Now, I have no idea if this was some sort of a violation, but the requested names and addresses did begin to come in. So then he wrote to these women with a plea and a promise. His plea was for help for his institutions. His promise was prayer. What he asked for was just 25 cents for an annual membership in the Association of Our Lady of Victory. Sort of like $25 for a a 240 club club. (laughs) that supports our Montessori School Hilltop Children's House. The donations came in and plenty of them were for more than 25 cents. Within a couple of years, he had raised enough to retire the rest of the debt and even enough to begin planning expansions to the orphanage and protectory. He kept his donors aware of what was going on through regular newsletters and requests for prayer intentions, and the donations continued to come in. And this, for good or ill, was the birth of direct mail fundraising. Yes, indeed. So you can thank Venerable Nelson Baker for all those letters you get soliciting donations. But it worked for him. By the end of the 19th century, the number of boys in the orphanage had doubled and the protectory had tripled. He had been able to expand the buildings to meet the need, and he started a school where the boys could learn trades and enough about business so they could get a good job or start their own business. That sounds familiar. We just had the opening of the College of St. Joseph here in Steubenville. It's a similar idea. Train students in a trade while also educating their minds and forming their moral core. That way, they're educated and prepared to build something and live a good life. And of course, before they even get to that age, they need to get a good formation for life in a good Montessori school, maybe like Hilltop Children's House. Yeah, sure. (laughs) There's a lot about Nelson Baker that really fits in Steubenville right now. Yeah, it really is. Kind of one of the reasons why I thought to pick this topic nowadays. Anyhow, his next major step in trusting Our Lady had to do with energy costs. Naturally, heating those big buildings was a significant expense. But natural gas had been discovered in the Buffalo area, so he figured, why not drill for gas right here on church property? He received permission from his bishop and a loan from the bishop, and he booked the drilling company to come out. When they arrived to drill, they still weren't sure exactly where to drill, but Father Baker had it figured out. Sort of. While the drilling crew was waiting, he completed Mass and then had a formal procession with a small statue of Our Lady of Victory leave the church and go to the end of a path he had worn many times while pacing and praying the office. At the end of that path, he stopped, buried the statue of Our Lady, and instructed the crew, drill here, being careful not to disturb that statue. And so they drilled. They had to drill quite a bit deeper than normal, and some people began calling the endeavor Father Baker's Folly. But Father Baker insisted that they keep drilling. He even had to ask for a second loan from the bishop. Bishop Ryan was hesitant, but he had seen Father Baker find money before, so he gave the extra loan. Eventually, they did strike gas. With that gas well, the entire complex could be heated. They also had gas for cooking, and Father Baker was able to provide gas to about 50 homes nearby. That well is still producing to this day. The next major awesome Father Baker thing was the genesis of the infant home and then the maternity and general hospital. The infant home came about because of a report he read about the gruesome findings in the nearby Erie Canal. During a project to dredge the canal to make it deeper, hundreds of bones of babies and small children were discovered, 
It seemed that mothers who couldn't handle motherhood, mothers who had been kicked out of their homes, mothers who believed that they had nowhere to turn for help, would sometimes just throw their babies into the canal to make the problems go away. (laughs) Father was so horrified by this that he set about establishing the Home for Infants and Mothers. Completed in 1908, it quickly filled up. It was a place where mothers could come for help. They could stay during their pregnancy, they could receive aid after birth, and just generally be given care and shown compassion that they just weren't getting elsewhere. One key feature was in the entryway. A crib and a blanket were always there inside an unlocked door. Mothers who wished to remain anonymous could drop off their unwanted babies and walk away. No one would ever come looking for them. Who knows how many lives this place saved? It's just an incredible thing to do. Terrified and confused mothers could just give their baby to someone they knew would care for them rather than tossing them into the river to drown. The infant home was followed by the last major new institution that Father Nelson Baker would build, the Maternity Hospital, completed in 1919. It would later become a general hospital as the community's needs changed. After the hospital was built, he had one more major building project to complete his City of Charity. And this was his thank you to Our Lady of Victory for all she had done. This final building project was the massive church of Our Lady of Victory. It was completed in 1926, and it is stunning. It is one of the most impressive and gorgeous churches in North America. It's only a few-minute drive off of Interstate 90. It's two miles, 1.7 miles, just south of Buffalo. If you're ever driving through the area, I highly recommend taking some time to visit. You'll feel like you've been transported to some 19th century basilica in Italy. It is that impressive. When it was completed, the dome over the transept was the second largest in the United States, second only to the U.S. Capitol. The exterior is clad in white marble from Georgia, while the ornate Romanesque and Baroque interior has more than 40 types of Italian marble throughout. Ringing the interior, a mosaic frieze just below the clerestory level bears all the titles of the Blessed Mother found in the Litany of Loretto. And high atop the Baudacchino over the main altar is a large replica of the statue of Our Lady of Victory like the one Father Baker had prayed before so many years before in Paris. The first Mass was offered on Christmas in 1925, and the consecration and dedication happened in May of 1926. Two months later, the church was named a minor basilica. Through all of this growth and building, Father Baker remained a man of the people. He routinely made rounds to be with the boys and help them. Most days he would make the infant home his final stop before heading home. He loved tucking in the infants and imparting a good night blessing. During the day, he frequently was available to meet with anyone who needed help. He gave aid freely, along with a blessing and encouragement. And he would join the Sisters of St. Joseph, who ran the homes, on their own outings to beg for donations. His life's work became all the more important when the Great Depression took hold in the 1930s. He helped everyone he could. He was 87 years old when the markets crashed in 1929, but he spent his remaining seven years carrying on as he had lived. He kept working right up until his body simply broke down in 1936. His health rapidly declined until he slipped into a coma early on July 29, 1936. A priest came to give him last rites, and he slipped away peacefully. As a fitting final tribute, the priest who administered last rites, Father Joseph Burke, had grown up at St. Joseph's Orphanage. He was one of Father Baker's own boys. Buffalo's papers announced the death of the Padre of the Poor. Father Baker was initially buried in Holy Cross Cemetery after a huge funeral attended by thousands. 
but his cause for canonization would take another 50 years. In 1987, he was declared a servant of God. In 1999, his remains were exhumed and reinterred under a side altar of the Basilica of Our Lady of Victory. And in 2011, Pope Benedict XVI declared him venerable, meaning that the Church affirms he had lived a life of heroic virtue. Today, Our Lady of Victory Charities carries on the work of Father Baker in Lackawanna and beyond that city's borders. They still help youths and mothers who find themselves with unexpected pregnancies. They have specialized services for children and adults with developmental disabilities, those with medical emergencies, those who need assistance with outpatient care, and they help arrange foster care services. They still rely utterly on the intercession of Our Lady of Victory and on the generosity of those who become members of the Spiritual Association of Our Lady of Victory. We'll provide a link in our show notes for anyone who wishes to learn more. This has been American Catholic History. If you enjoy American Catholic History, please become a supporter. We've got great perks for supporters, including exclusive content, books, mugs, and personal conversations. Get information on how to become a supporter and the perks at AmericanCatholicHistory.org support. Also on our website, sign up for our newsletter, learn more about Nelson Baker, find out about our pilgrimages, and find other episodes that you might be interested in. We love getting your feedback and suggestions for episodes. You can email us at feedback at AmericanCatholicHistory.org, find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash AmericanCatholicHistory, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow us on Twitter at ACH1513. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, made possible by listeners like you. 